Now we're joined by the experts at Vetify, a new data analytics and thought leadership company that is transforming financial services from an industry to a community, one relationship at a time. There's a couple of different ways to slice and dice these various ETFs. They can hold what are called total return swaps. Expect the unexpected. Laura, how have you been? Great having you back on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so it's very uh, interesting. Traditional energy was getting all of the headlines earlier this year, and deservedly so, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But but here recently, clean energy ETFs are starting uh, to run again. And you heard me allude to this at the top. If you remember back to 2020, which uh, seems like a decade ago, <laughs> one of the more popular ETFs was the iShares Global Clean Energy ETF, ticker ICLN. That was up over 140% that year. And then it started out uh, okay last year, but then things quickly deteriorated and it ended the year down close to 25%. It's really had sort of a a similar ride to the ARK Innovation ETF, if you think about it. But even into this year, ICLN was down about 20% year to date in May. And now this thing is actually positive for the year, up about 12%. And of course, the S&P 500 is down about 10%. Uh, and then the, you look across the clean energy ETF space overall, the, they're experiencing something very similar. Like I look at the Invesco solar ETF, ticker TAN. Uh, I think that's another good example. But to, to begin, let's start bigger picture here, and then we can certainly drill into some specific ETFs. What has been driving this recent uh, upswing? Oh, sure. Well, so there's there's one big, huge driver that's driving uh, the outperformance here in clean, clean energy. That's the Inflation Reduction Act. Right, so clean energy stocks weren't doing that hot throughout most of the year, but they began to rally specifically when Joe Manchin announced that he was going to support the bill, uh, the most ambitious climate climate bill in history, really, uh, earmarking some three hundred seventy four billion uh, towards various climate and clean energy objectives, all up and down the supply chain, and therefore setting up a really juicy growth opportunity for uh, the clean energy ETF or the clean energy stocks in this space. So, you know, couple that with um, some positive earnings reports coming out of key players this past quarter, like for solar and Enphase and some other ones, and then uh, some stability in the interest rate uncertainty that had been kind of plaguing uh, not just clean energy, but the entire market for several months in 2022. And I think you're looking at a real setup for for an opportunity in clean energy. If you look back over the ride that clean energy stocks have had, I, I just mentioned, you look back to 2020, one of the best performing areas by far, mm-hmm. uh, when you look at ICLN and TAN, and then last year, things weren't so hot. Uh, and, and now again, things are starting to run. Can you offer some context here? Why why is that? Why Why did we see those ups and downs? Oh, sure. So, so I clean it. Let's see. I clean. It's been often said that, you know, the past uh, uh, fall for this ETF is uh, because it was a political casualty. Right. And uh, it wasn't. It wasn't. Right. So certainly ambivalence in Congress towards the climate agenda for the past six months or so. It's the reality is it played a large part in dampening enthusiasm for the clean energy space. But lest we forget, we also had a major pandemic on our hands for the past two and a half years. And in 2021, that's when the supply chain chickens came home to roost, right? So it manifested 
in difficulties in sourcing raw materials uh, for clean energy stocks, particularly in the U.S., where they source so much of their stuff overseas. And so, you know, companies couldn't deliver on orders, consumers and industries, they couldn't continue building out. And so it just was a ripple effect, right? So, you know, that weighed on clean energy. It weighed on clean energy ETFs for sure. Um, But if you actually look at the numbers uh, for raw investment worldwide into clean energy, not just in the U.S., but worldwide, global investment actually spiked last year. Um, Bloomberg releases this yearly clean energy report, and they found that investment in energy transition stocks and low-carbon energy transition stocks, it went um, upwards uh, last year by 27%. So I think, look, clean energy is a space that had grown so far, so fast in 2020 that there was bound to be some retracement, right? And I think when that happened, investors uh, pulled their money to the sidelines to kind of wait for a more favorable uh, valuation picture. But, you know, there have actually been a couple of attempts by clean energy stocks to recover since the beginning of 2021, Um, first in October 2021, and then um, January to March this year. They got knocked down by, you know, politicians playing football, and then again by the Fed hiking interest rates in March. Now they're back up. My guess, I think we're probably going to see the space keep rising for a little while because the fundamentals are truly strong. The next big test, though, is going to be the midterm elections. You mentioned that uh, perhaps we have some more interest rate clarity. And I know there's a narrative out there that clean energy stocks tend to behave much more like growthy tech stocks, right? That they're uh, risk on, mm-hmm. they're, they're higher beta. Do you think that's fair? And do you think that's a reason why we've seen this bounce recently with, with growth stocks coming back to life, which you know, tend to react much better to a, a more benign interest rate environment. Is that a fair characterization? I, I agree. Clearly, the Inflation Reduction Act is the biggest driver here. I think you could also make the case the Russia-Ukraine war and and people looking at alternative sources of energy, that's driving interest in the space. But what about just the broader environment around interest rates? Oh, absolutely. I think clean energy stocks are kind of quintessentially a growth play, right? Because the expectation is there is that um, you know it, it's going to pay off? Uh, you know these high valuations are going to pay off down the road in huge earnings and so on. So um, they also tend to really benefit from low interest rates, so that these companies can take on a lot of debt, help finance big expansions, be it you know more solar farms or wind turbines or um, you know smart energy grids or whatever. And that takes a lot of up upfront capital. Um, you know, less than operating expenses, right? So when rates rise, as they did in March, these companies in the clean energy space can stumble because now they have to pay a higher interest rate on any debt they're taking out. But I think a lot of that uncertainty around the interest rate um, environment has has faded from the market. Like we kind of know what to expect now. And so, um, you know, it's, it's helped growth stocks. It's helped clean energy stocks kind of stabilize and and move upwards. You know, it. I think it's interesting uh, sometimes the parallels between clean energy and the tech space, right? Because if you think about it, clean energy really is a tech play at heart, not just because there's software and code that goes into the operation of, of you know, clean energy uh, you know, farms and, and terminals and stuff. But, um, you know, they, a lot of these... Uh, devices use the same materials that go into semiconductors 
uh, and circuit boards. So it's you know same silicon and all of that is used in fuel cells and photo, uh, you know, photovoltaic arrays and electric vehicles and so on. So whatever um, is happening in the tech space uh, from a supply side is going to influence clean energy as well. Just to drive home the performance here, I mentioned the performance of ICLN over the past couple of years. If you look at two of the other largest clean energy ETFs by AUM, the Invesco Solar Tan ETF, which I mentioned, TAN, mm-hmm. uh, or Solar ETF, that's up nearly, or it was up nearly 235% in 2020, was then down 25% last year, and is now up 16% this year. If you look at the First Trust NASDAQ Clean Edge Green Energy ETF, ticker QCLN, that was up 184% in 2020, down 3% last year, and now up 1% this year. So I think that gives you a good idea in terms of what we've seen. Um, I'm curious, Laura, it, what are you seeing on the Vetify platform right now? Like, is this performance translating to more interest in clean energy ETFs? Are you seeing an uptick yet? I am so glad you asked me that because it's actually really interesting and exciting. We don't normally see, uh, you know, stuff like this happen, I think. So on the Vetify platform, we have a number of ways that investors can do research on various ETFs. They can. Uh, we also have our, our own classification system, which kind of breaks ETFs into various categories. And you can search by those categories and so on. It's actually a very popular way for folks to interact with our platform. So the alternative energies, equities uh, category has been just zooming up the ranks of our most popular ETF categories this month. So far in August, it's the fifth most popular ETF category on our platform after several months of being around like 40 and 50. So look, I realize we're only halfway through August and, you know, there's a lot that can change in just two weeks or so. But, you know, we're looking at levels of engagement around the the alt energy stock space, ETF space haven't been that way since April, since the onset of that Russia-Ukraine war that you mentioned earlier. So iClean is now the 16th most research fund on our site. TAN is 18th. So, uh, you know, look, something we we like to emphasize is that engagement data is not flows data, and it tends to be, you know, maybe a leading indicator, right? So you see the research pick up, then you see investors allocating based on the research that they've done. Uh, And right now, we are seeing more engagement into the space rather than flows. However, this engagement bump is so significant and it's accelerating that I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a rebound in flows headed into clean energy ETFs in the coming months. I mean, you really do not normally see data this clear and obvious and sharp in the engagement uh, data unless something real is brewing. Out of curiosity, what does this look like for traditional energy ETFs? Like I mentioned, XLE, are you still seeing traffic here given the year-to-date performance? Uh, Or are you starting to see that fall off? Like how does clean energy or how do clean energy ETFs compare to fossil fuel ETFs? Yeah, absolutely. So so there's no um, noticeable fall off in the uh, traditional fossil fuel energy space, right? So energy... It's it's continuously uh, perennially one of the more popular uh, site or uh, topics on our site, uh, and we have the ability to you know organize by lists of ETFs. So list of crude oil ETFs that's consistently among the top ten lists on our site. Um, XLE is one of the most popular tickers month after month, year after year. It's in the top twenty. 
We have a whole energy infrastructure channel on our site. You know, interest in traditional energy-related content is very strong among our readership. It hasn't waned, which is, I think, what kind of makes these engagement trends about clean energy ETFs so fascinating because we do a lot of we do a lot of polling of advisors. And we're, I mean, we're constantly taking snap polls of what advisors are doing, what they think of the markets, how they're allocating right now. And polls from the last you know, couple of months have indicated to us that advisors increasingly don't see energy as an either-or decision between clean energy on one side and fossil fuel energy on the other side. They're, they're starting to see exposures uh, to both as ingredients in a diversified energy portfolio. So I think it's entirely possible you're going to continue to see engagement and flows strengthen for both fossil fuel ETFs and clean energy ETFs. I think that's really well said. And, you know, on that note of flows and maybe how the interest that you're seeing, especially around clean energy ETFs, could translate into flows. Uh, I'll be joined here momentarily by Vivek Ramaswamy, who I, I know you're aware is building what some are calling an anti-ESG ETF lineup. Now, I'm not sure that's exactly how he would characterize it, but, you know, I, th I think you get the idea. And I think about the timing of Strive coming to market here. And you look, I mean, there does continue to be a lot of debate around ESG ETFs as a whole. Uh, you may have seen this. I tweeted this out last week. Bloomberg's Katie Greifield noted that flows into ESG ETFs have only been about $4 billion so far this year after two straight years of over $30 billion. So there has been a very clear drop-off. And I think one way you could interpret that is maybe some investors are second-guessing, mixing uh, ESG considerations with their investments. I I'm just curious, any thoughts on what we have seen out of flows? And should there be a distinction between, say, broad ESG ETFs and then the ETFs we're focused on here today, clean energy ETFs, just in terms of flows? Yeah, so a couple things, right? One, it's it's true that on a year-over-year -year basis, we are seeing far fewer net inflows into ESG funds than we did uh, last year. We're also in a more challenged market environment, right? So advisors aren't al allocating to growthy equity ETFs right now. They're not even allocating to equity ETFs in the same way that they were last year. Um, they've been more focused on you know, inflation defense, like commodities, uh, building up fixed income portfolios, and so on. If you look at the flows numbers from last month, only $14 billion went in, of new net assets went into equity ETFs, both U.S. and international, last month. And about $1 billion of that was in ESG ETFs, right? So if you look at it through that lens, ESG ETFs are actually kind of punching above their weight class right now. So which ETFs right now in you know, the past month or so have been seeing the most inflows? You mentioned TAN. That's brought in uh, over the past 30 days about $322 million. Um, But it's not just clean energy ETFs seeing the bump, right? So I know that we're talking clean energy stocks here, but EAGG, EA that's the iShares ESG aggregate bond ETF, that brought in about $211 million over the past 30 days. Wisdom Trees China ex-state-owned enterprises fund, that's XSOE. That brought in um, close to 100 million. Um, Crane Shares is carbon, uh, California Carbon Allowance ETF. That's KCCA. That brought in about 60 million, and that's carbon, which is clean energy, but not a clean energy stocks play, right? So, you know, the rebound in flows that we're seeing um, 
and, and interest that we're seeing isn't necessarily concentrated on just the clean energy ETF space. We're seeing flows, uh, at least over the past month, going into a range of products, including these broad-based core asset allocation funds from you know, iShares and Nuveen and Vanguard and State Street and so on. And um, also a few targeted social uh, you know, thematic slices in the market and, and renewable or clean energy thematic slices. So it's kind of a broad tide, I'd say. And now it really only remains to see to be seen if it's going to lift all the boats in the space, you know, or if it's going to, um, the interest is going to concentrate into the, the clean energy um, space into the form of flows. No, 100%. I mean, I think, you know, I try to cover just about every ETF story that's out there. And I think this ESG ETF story is one that I'm maybe most fascinated to watch for the remainder of the year, just because there are several tailwinds in the space now. Um, you are seeing the interest, as you mentioned, on the Vetify platform. It's starting to translate a little bit into flows. You have performance there. So you have this recipe that sets up well. And, you know, my, my I guess, somewhat criticism of the space is there's just been so much media hype and attention around it. I think fund companies pushing this. And I'm not quite sure investors want it, but but we'll see, right? I mean, we have we have a pretty good setup here, and it'll be interesting to see if there is the uh, the follow through from from investors. To your point, but Laura, we're going to have to leave it there. Excellent <laughs> stuff as always. Thank you for joining me this week. Thank you so much for having me. That was Laura Krigger, editor in chief at Vetify.